Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Uh, and this week we have a new sponsor. It is uh, Clash of Clans, <laughs> a game that I adore. Oh, man. Um, play all the time. It's got those clans. I, I love getting them. Yep. I love getting all the different clans. You got Bakugan, <laughs> Pikachu, Dragon Ball, Andrew Dice Clay, <laughs> and Harris Teeter. And you can just. <laughs> and those are the ones that obviously a lot of us pay to win. But you can get some of the other ones if you get enough tokens and real world money. Uh, but I love making them use all their resources. It's great. Yeah, we need to we need to pause here so that we can we're gonna map out our mobile game that's based around grocery stores. That um, actually would be great. <laughs> where you're just competing. Harris Teeters, Alex, Alex, I know you're not a worldly man. <laughs> you may not have experienced <laughs> the joy of a Harris Teeters. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know I don't know what you're saying right now. <laughs> I believe we drove past a piggly wiggly once and Alex went, too bougie. <laughs> Where's where's the working man's piggly wiggly? <laughs> where's the working man's piggle gonna wiggle? G- Golden lion, Golden lion, or whatever. Bells, that... yeah, and Ralph's, Whole Foods, type in Walmart, type in grocery stores. Where are... what <laughs> are all the kinds of grocery stores? Happy four hundred episodes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Not okay. Not format. I don't want to know about milk bar. Okay, brands. <laughs> wait, wait. I do want to know about milk bar. What? There's, Go back. It, it listed. These are the small format grocery stores. We'll talk about the movie. Neighborhood grocery, convenience store, delicatessen, green grocer, ethnic market, ethnic market, health food store, milk bar, aerodactyl, supermarket. Small brands. Publix. Publix is the other one. H E B. Aldi. Mm-hmm. You put Target Amazon. <laughs> all right, all right. Costco, Sam's yeah, Club. Yeah, Costco. Yeah, Tyler, I know is a big Costco head. Yeah, he's. A, well, I like to shop where at Echoes. <laughs> I want to shop where at Echoes. Honey, honey, honey! I found Manila wafers. Wafers. Yeah. It adds to the ambiance. <laughs> you get those big aisles that are like you could drive a truck through them. We used to go to Sam's a lot as a child, my family and me. I don't know why we ever stopped, but well, we used to go a lot. Well, it's Sam's Club. It's no Costco. That's very fair. That's probably what, what ended up happening. <laughs> <sighs> um, this week we're talking about Superman 4, which actually <laughs> is not a movie that I think any of us are particularly upset about talking about. No, but I tell but this you... Is just, this is just where we're at. Well, we Superman- have brought the correct energy to our 400th episode. It's Superman 4, A Quest for Peace, but when I'm on a quest for peas, I turn to the trusty... (laughs) (laughs) Turn to our favorite sponsor, Harris Teeters. The trusty poster uh, produce section of Harris Teeter. Oh boy, they got them all. Snap, and all the other ones. We here at Here Come the Sequels like to say support local businesses, and Harris Teeters, it's in in your city. It's local. Yeah, it's gotta be. Uh... I was gonna say much, much like, much like uh, the opening of this podcast. I, I, I really, really just like I'm, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm having a good time, and I'm, I'm just along for the ride. 
Mm-hmm. That was yeah. how I felt watching Superman for the Quest for Peace. <laughs> You're like, this is a lot like talking with my friends about grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> Very good description. <laughs> and I think probably, I think probably if you went to somebody and you said, hey, how would you like to talk to your friends about grocery stores? The level of excitement that they had would match, or the, 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 the uh, I guess, uh, way that they felt about that proposition is very similar to how they would likely feel about Superman 4. Like, I think that's yeah. a good test. Sure. For, like, can you make your own joy out of watching Superman 4? Versus if you're like, that sounds very boring, and I don't want to do that. Well, like you probably pe- watch Superman how- 4 and be like, yeah, this is very boring, and I don't like it. Well, it's like how people get, they're like, oh, I have to gamify. Uh, I think my mom used to talk about this. Like, she hated grocery shopping so much, she would find, like, little mm-hmm. mini games she would give herself. That's how you get. That's how you watch Superman 4. You gamify it. Yeah. You know, how many Jim Broadbents can I find in a movie? One. <laughs> um, how many lines does that Jim Broadbent get? One, but you kind of you, you find little ways to to you know make your own fun. Um, I remember talking to my sister once about grocery shopping in New York City, not uh, something neither of us have done. Um, <laughs> but because I was like, how do they do it? Because like, do you carry your groceries on on the subway? Like, are there is there a Kroger or whatever in New York City? That I literally think people buy their groceries for each night, like each. And they buy it, and they take the bag home and make the groceries every night. And I was like, "That sounds insane. I could not live like that." I yeah, need. Well, I mean, I need to stock you, up for a week. You, you gotta get the big bag that you know you can take in as part of like a prop for a sitcom. Yeah, with the baguette. Like, it's, yeah, you get the baguette out. You get the tomatoes. Yeah, and the big and pasta. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, and a the pasta. <laughs> Well, I think if you if you're not we're not talking about like oh you have one bag full of, you're like let me get this big paper bag this big yeah. comically large paper bag that is uh straight out of a an eighties eighties uh eighties rom com that's really what I'm thinking here because then you know you it can the food can fall out of the bottom of the bag and you can have the meat cute and all that stuff sure when they help you pick up the groceries um but you you can fit what you need in that. Yeah. And then that's it. Doesn't have to be one night. Like that can cover. I I mean I, should, I guess yeah. Bit. I hope you can I'll, kind of have a rolling. Yeah. And you know what? You get exercise, which you don't get when you drive to Harris Teeters, but that's, that's okay because Harris Teeters has fresh, healthy groceries for you and your family. <laughs> well, and you're gonna be looking at all the beautiful architecture. You're gonna be exercising because you'll be walking up and down those aisles. Yeah, twice, you're not thrice. gonna want to leave. No, you're gonna you're gonna want to keep looking around, checking out what we have to offer. Alex, you're the closest any of us have come to living in the big city. Uh, what? How did you do your grocery style? What were were you a buy it for the week man? Were you an everyday grocery for the night man? What was your not the funny always sunny character, but what was your what was your style when you were living big city adjacent? I don't have an interesting answer for you. <laughs> there is. <laughs> gonna be honest that's all i really need just tell us what there, you did it's not a hard yeah one. how did a, you buy food there was a kroger right around the corner and i went once a week <laughs> all right there you go so you did that's you drag all style. the groceries back did yeah. you steal a cart did yeah did you, you walk I, around I, I balanced them all on my head <laughs> <laughs> like carmen miranda <laughs> that's not what she did um <laughs> shopping for groceries in new york is probably a lot the same way you shop for groceries in metropolis you go and then next thing you know a mime and a blind guy have caused all kind of mayhem yeah 
Unless you're in this movie, in which case that doesn't happen. Or you go to a melon stand right outside uh, the Daily Planet, and you're like, all right, I guess this is dinner. <laughs> I guess I'm eating a melon. I don't know what's happening. Is duck or something? What? When they're going to have the double date. I feel like... Yeah. I know they talked about champagne. I can't remember. Uh, what I'm saying is we needed a scene where Lois bought groceries. So I Superman, understand. Superman did cook Lois's duck in this movie, which does not seem scalable for all of Metropolis. So I don't know, I don't know what the rest of them are doing for dinner. Yeah, that's a fair point. Alex, what are the scores for Superman for the quest for peace? <laughs> Superman uh, IV, the quest for peace, sure. is from 1987, directed by Sidney J. Fury. It has a 10% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 16% audience score. The critic score is not as low as Supergirl, but so far this is the lowest uh, audience score, at least for any of the hmm. Superman movies. That's fascinating. Yeah, uh, this is this movie uh, similar to Supergirl is kind of notorious in in how in its perception people think of this as like oh this is like in the top five worst superhero movies ever made. It's not. No, I I remember uh, kind of similar to Superman three. I did watch this one uh, once a long time ago. I think I just watched it on cable, um, and I had heard you know just like the the. The atmosphere around this movie is like, oh, is everyone just hates it. It's just like it, there's no redeeming quality to it. I remember even watching it like ten years ago, you know, and, and being like, I, I, I don't know. There's there's some stuff here that I genuinely like, um, and I feel like uh, one thing that this has over Superman three and Supergirl is that <laughs> Christopher Reeve is in the majority of the scenes, yeah. and I was like, oh, he's like a continuing presence. It's when it cuts away, it's it's just to like Gene Hackman sequences, which are fine. Um, I don't know. It was, it's this one. It, it's is like, like it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, but it's got Christopher Reeve Superman yes. in it, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> this one is like the most about Superman since. Maybe Superman 2? I mean, the concentration. It's a 90-minute movie, or whatever it is. Maybe a little over, but like it's, it's somewhere in that range. Um, and most of the movie is just about Superman. And he's making decisions. He's trying to change the world. And like, it really... This is what... When people are like, oh, you can enjoy something if you just turn off your brain and kind of think of it like a Saturday morning cartoon or whatever. This is actually something that works that way. Yeah. Like, it is so... Um earnest and so like we don't care how bad the effects are we're just gonna do the thing <laughs> like we're just gonna make it happen <laughs> and you're gonna roll with it it is it is delightful um britain tell us about sure this movie uh the synopsis for superman for the quest for peace reads thus seeing the united states and the soviet union engaged in a nuclear arms race that could lead towards destruction superman decides he must take action he collects all the nuclear warheads from the world and throws them into space. Meanwhile, Superman's nemesis Lex Luthor has broken out of prison with a new scheme. He clones Superman with radioactive material to create Nuclear Man, a being just as powerful as the Man of Steel. In a sequence that I could only uh, think of Rocky Horror during it. <laughs> I kept waiting for Gene Hackman to sing, In Just Seven Days, I'll Make You a Man. Um, that Gene Hackman singing this, that would have that would have been a good movie. <clears throat> um, yeah. It was a good movie, anyway. Yeah, I, 
I, I was a little, not, not concerned, but the one kind of hmm, that I had early on was Superman has this thing, has he gives this speech about the dangers of nuclear power and the dangers of nuclear war. And he said, so I'm, you know, governments basically aren't taking care of this, so I'm going to do it. And I had this, this reaction to it where I thought, th- this is a little odd to me because this is a superhero saying, all right, well, I'm just going to push through all the your established stuff, and I'm just going to do things my way. I'm just going to do what I want because I want it. Now, it wasn't as heavy-handed as if they had done that in a Snyder movie or something. And it in, in this case, it was the kind of thing that, one, I agree with personally, but also it is a, a hero looking at a circumstance and saying, okay, this thing is dangerous. You all have the power to stop it, but you won't do it, so I'm going to stop it because I'm going to the 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 end result will be a net win. And I think this there hadn't been enough build up to that. So it kind of felt like Superman did just go, "Well, I want something, so I'll do it." Now later on in the movie, he gives another speech that I think is cut too short mm-hmm. about how like, "Hey, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have made that decision unilaterally. It wasn't my decision to make. I'm I I do live here, but it's not my home and and the governments have to make these decisions for themselves and I think what would have been really effective is then if you have, not to, you know, Monday morning movie maker, but if there was like almost a nuclear disaster that Superman, uh, you know, managed to avert and then the world powers went, oh, wow, we're really messing up. He was right. We need to, we, we need to follow the example of Superman and, and disarm ourselves and not have nuclear war anymore. Um, I think that might've been a little more effective, but as it stands, I still like that the movie was kind of about him learning that lesson of, oh, I shouldn't. Yeah. Me having power doesn't mean I should just do it, whatever I want. Like, I like that. That's that's the most shocking thing to me about the movie is that there is like a coherent, maybe the most coherent Superman arc in any of these sure. movies. <laughs> maybe the first one. I don't know. Like, it it is just about. I mean, it uh, it is a little like you can tell that this movie probably, er, er, as written, would have been like two hours, and yeah. that there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff cut, and that obviously the effects are just totally insane because they just do not care how bad they look. And it's kind of great. Um, I, I I have, I have a little bit of context for that. Sure. But go on. Um, but the, like the movie just has a, a straightforward exploration of Superman and, and the fact it engages with the idea that, I mean, I think there's specifically a line from one of the, kryptonian faces he sees in the fortress of solitude which they just continue to be like actually that one there are more people here to talk to superman yeah <laughs> we want to do that um but he, somebody says something like you're supposed to be a symbol if you interfere then you're going to be um controlling their development instead of guiding them or uh, mm-hmm. something like that yeah, where yeah. it's like yes that is a real I guess philosophical question around Superman as a, as an idea is like, if you had somebody like that, how could they not end up being someone that the human race kind of relies on versus yeah. uh, being someone that they look up to and aspire to be. It's like a real good topic to bring Again, it's just a line. It's just a quick thing. And you kind of get Superman grappling with that for a little while. And then he says like, no, I'm going to do it. And I really love the fact that the UN I, I I wrote down a note of this that that thing where he goes to the not UN yeah. uh, and gives a speech that he's like yeah I'm gonna get rid of all the nuclear weapons and everyone just kind of cheers yeah it is I I don't think you can do 
a scene like that in a superhero movie anymore. I guess maybe Black Panther contradicts this because I guess the end of Black Panther, he does. There is like a scene where he just goes there and uh, announces, you know, Wakanda's going back into the world. But there are so many. I mean, Snyder is the obvious one. There are so many cases where you have something like that and the immediate thing your brain goes to because of how movies have trained us is that there's going to be some sort of disaster here. There's going to be something that goes wrong that, you know, it's not, it's going to end poorly for the hero because they can't engage with these real world political bodies. And like that, you know, it would just be too crazy if they, if there was some way for this to go correctly. Um, And I actually think the black Panther movies probably do the best job of like do getting into that in a way that create makes it more political and less like, Oh, we can't do politics. We have to have stuff blowing up. Um, Cause I, I think so many superhero movies and action movies in general have trained us to think that way. When we see governing bodies in movies is that like, that's what the set piece is going to be. And it was really nice to be like, there is no way this movie is going to have anything. Maybe, you know, evil Lex's evil clone who had not shown up yet, but we saw that he was doing up to something. Maybe he'll do something crazy there, but doesn't feel like that's where we're going. It feels like it's just a straightforward Superman's going to make an announcement to the world and the world's going to be like, all right, sounds good. Let's see it. And he does. And he goes and he gathers all the missiles into a big net and throws into the sun. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's so good. (laughs) Well, it's a good, it's a much more optimistic way to approach that question of what happens when this invincible person just makes a decision for the human race and human society. Because the obvious, like, cynical take is the boys which and i really like the Mm -hmm. boys but the boys that's what homelander is homelander is someone who can do whatever he wants and does and it goes very badly and he is the villain of that show and but this is a trope in like you mentioned action movies too that like so often the thrust of an action movie is well the powers that be failed but this one usually man he knows what to do so he's gonna fix it which I think can be a very exciting narrative in something like Die Hard, where the situation is impossible and John McClane just ends mm. up there and has to do what he can do. But it can get go. It can be misread very easily by the wrong viewer who's just like, I should do whatever I want to do and then I'll be great. And it's like, no, no, that's not what that, that's not what the movie is. But I like that this movie was not about Superman going mad with power, just so much mm-hmm. as him going, no, I'm going to fix it. And also disarming nuclear weaponry. It's a controversial issue, but the way that anything is, but it's not like he wasn't getting involved in something that feels like a really like, whoa, this is like the movie. The movie is now getting political. Superman is now a political figure. It just Mm -hmm. felt like, well, this is something that really does affect every human soul, no matter who you are. And he was like, I'm going to keep you all safe, but it still doesn't, it doesn't go too far within in terms of darkness. And, And it has, I think the right angle on it, which is, hey, person with power, don't just do whatever you want. <laughs> like, guide them, use your platform, but don't just just, just make everyone's decisions for them. Yeah, I think ultimately most of the thematic stuff in this movie is very superficial. And, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't have uh, all the uh, deleted scenes compiled into a new extended cut, so we, you know, or the original script, so we don't really know, like, if at any point that stuff was ever you know, a whole lot deeper. Um, but I do like just at a high level, um, thematically 
the whole idea of is Superman creating a culture of dependency and how much yeah. should him should it just be he is reacting to things that happen and just trying to save people versus like actually trying to push humanity forward through his decisions. Um, that is something that I've always gravitated to in Superman stories and, and kind of the limited ones that I've read. Um, there's a particular, um, it's a Justice League story, but it's called Justice and the arts by Alex Ross. And that's basically the villains come in and their argument is, yeah, the superheroes are just reactionary. They aren't actually helping humanity progress. So we're going to step in and do that. And it's like a very interesting kind of like philosophical argument. Um, and particularly bringing back Lex, I, I think is, is somewhat a missed opportunity. Of course, Gene Hackman's having fun. So it's, it's just <laughs> good to see him again. Um, but it does feel like, oh, like Lex is the one who's like, yeah, humanity needs to be able to handle its business. We don't need a guy flying around, you know, trying to solve all our problems. Um, so that's just something I'm like, oh, this movie is like. It's getting some stuff right that <laughs> most Superman movies don't. Yeah. And it's uh, even if it's just hitting it superficially, it's like, yes, but it is making a genuine attempt. And I'm like, all right, that's off. Yeah. Not to not to jump around and immediately get to the ending, but to kind of put a bow on that point. Like Superman at the end, in a, in a speech that does seem like it's cut off mid sentence, almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, he uh, mentions like, "Oh, I've learned my lesson. I can't do this uh, th- this way. I can't force humanity." And I think at my first at first glance, I was like, "How did you learn that lesson?" But thinking about it, like the text of the movie is Lex creates a man that he calls the Nuclear Man on behalf of the powers that and, and like through the support of the powers that want nuclear war to stay to fight Superman and causes a bunch of destruction and mayhem and you know Superman barely is able to defeat him uh and I I realized I was like no like that Superman realizing that if he just because he tries to do something on his own and control the fate of humanity doesn't mean that humanity's not going to push back and like basically he says i realize humanity's not ready for me to just you know i'll i'll guide humanity i'll be here for when they are you know able to get to a point of world peace like i want to see humanity get to that point but i can't do it just on my own i'm like ah that actually that's kind of there (laughs) That, that that looking at the plot of the movie that that all tracks um it's fascinating it's fascinating how it, I think it helps that the movie is very simple. Um, it it has a tight focus. There's not a lot of sprawling. It's it's short. Um, a lot of stuff probably is cut. I mean, we know that there's deleted scenes, but it feels like even beyond that, like there's just it, it is a very let's just get everything that we need to get this to ninety minutes and then get out of here. Um, and I think it it helps that it's it is ba- basically leaning on Christopher Reeve, uh, Gene Hackman, and I just, I almost said Hugh Jackman and I realized (laughs) those are very close to each other. That's weird. Gene Hackman. uh, Never seen him in a room together. (laughs) Hugh Jackman, Gene Hackman retired and now he's, (laughs) I'm going to go play Wolverine. He'd probably be a good Wolverine back in the day. He probably would. Come on. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like it's, it's resting on these strong performances. Um, the plots resolve themselves very quickly at the end. The the whole Daily Planet angle is just yeah. like, eh, yeah. get through it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, 
that, but it all is it all is tight in there and like happens and it just it's it's like let's get in let's get out and yeah that i appreciate that that's also there's a bunch of just plot points that happen in the movie where i'm like i like that there needs to be more of it to work yep. I like sure. all the stuff with the Daily Planet being bought out by, like, a corporate conglomerate. And it's like, no, we're doing tabloid stuff now. Like, I, I just like that as, as um, you know, just a, a subplot, even though there's not a whole lot done with it outside of uh, the boss's daughter is, is into Clark. Mm-hmm. And that... Who? Eh. Uh, I don't know that we have much more to say about her unless... Y'all think he will, uh, but I do just want to pause and say her name is, I think, Mariel Hemingway. Yeah. If I got that right. Uh, she is the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. Really? <laughs> yes. I looked at I was like, oh, do I know her from somewhere? I don't, I don't know Superman her. Superman 4, The Quest for she's Peace. She's Superman I, 4. What, how far <laughs> Hemingway knew, has come? I knew she name. was in uh, Manhattan, the Woody Allen mm-hmm. movie, but I didn't realize that she was... Yes, I, I was looking her up just to see, and I was like, wait... <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> um, I, I will. I will say that they got close to keeping the the double L uh, naming convention for for the female characters in in this movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, her last name is Warfield. It's Lacey Warfield. Like, well, should have been Wanda. <laughs> um, for for, for Wario, for, for <laughs> Waluigi to the Luigis that are <laughs> the other girls. I'm uh, Woeth. Yeah. The other piece that I really like is the movie opens with Clark trying to sell the Kent farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like which that. it's or, weird. Or that trying this... to make sure it goes to the right people. Right. And it's weird that this is the last Christopher Reeve Superman movie. And of course, this plot point doesn't really resolve itself. It's just kind of like, here's the status quo, I guess, for Clark. Same setting, yeah. Um, uh, but I, I I really like that as kind of like the, that's kind of where the mm-hmm. that ends, especially since we don't do anything with like the Kent farm in Superman three, even though it's a huge thing that like, oh, he goes back to Smallville. Um, I, I don't know. There's just like a fun full circle thing that even though this was not meant to be the last Superman movie, that kind of helps yeah. to make it. It, it doesn't doesn't sting as much that this is the last yeah. one with christopher reeve because this, this feels, genuinely like feels that. like a good way to leave this character off on yeah yeah well um, I, I, yeah i liked that scene because it was this realtor i guess who i guess had known clark for a lot of his life and clark's saying all this stuff or the, or the guy is saying all this stuff like oh you know this people want it and they'll pay all this money and clark's like no i want to sell it to a farmer or i don't want to sell it like this is not gonna i don't want this to be a a condos i want it to be a store i want this to be a farm so and, and he's very nice about it he's like yeah I, i'm only selling it to farmers so if that's not who it is i don't want to meet him and the guy's like yeah you're right clark you've always been good hey let's let's play baseball and it's just it's it's just nice <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that scene in the, the he this might be reeve's best clark kent performance this movie might be in terms of like that side like the stuff where he uh which i have some other thoughts about Reeve just in general, because him giving this performance in this movie is astonishing. And I think says a lot about him as an actor. Um, but he, he like swings and misses the bat or misses the ball entirely yeah. and like spins around and, and almost falls over. And then uh, the realtor leaves and then he turns around and smacks the, the yeah. ball into space. Um, it's a nice moment. He, nice moment. uh, 
he's so he's so funny in this. I, I do want to talk about his comedic timing, but now it's time for another word from our sponsor. Even with a limited number of locations, Harris Teeter has consistently ranked high in polls of the top American grocery stores. Customers love Harris Teeter for their amazing prepared food section. I know husband and father Tyler appreciates that. Their huge wine selection. <laughs> you know where you can find Alex. And their cult favorite store brand ice cream. I like the Nexium Crunch. The generous discounts and their local feel. Uh, so just another great word out there for Harris Teeter. And Nexium Crunch, a cult favorite ice cream. Um... Nexium Crunch. Try it. Now. Yeah, I I, uh, I love driving an hour and 45 minutes to my local Harris Teeters to pick up fresh groceries. And if anyone out there has a good ice cream pun, like a Ben and Jerry's for Heaven's Gate, please, Britain from 15 minutes ago will really appreciate that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could not find one. Um, oh, Kool-Aid flavored. Britain. I mean, Britain. What? Bleep out my last name there, Tyler. Because um, they did the drinking the Kool-Aid. Was that Heaven's Gate? Jim Jones. Yeah, you know what I'm no, it's not quite. But they like, did. The, you know, the cult had the thing with drinking the Kool-Aid, and then the, that's yeah. how it happened. But it's Kool-Aid flavored ice cream. <sighs> Nexium Crunch. Try it now is a better slogan. Okay, I'd, I'll accept that. All right. Um, but speaking of jokes that do work, <laughs> Christopher Reeve is very funny in this movie, and. What I I really love the sequence in the gym. I just found that whole bit with him and Mariel Hemingway so funny. He's like, they're doing like aerobics and he's like a a step behind her and keeps doing Mm -hmm. the wrong moves. And Christopher Reeve, obviously in terrific shape, huge Mm -hmm. guy. But one, and I love how they always dress Clark in like full, like long sleeves, long pants. Like no one can ever see Clark's body because it would become immediately apparent this guy's shredded. Um, but he does a really good job of selling the – and I've, from the beginning, he's done a good job of selling the I'm awkward in my body. And I mm-hmm. think that, like, these days, I think the temptation – and, I, and I, I enjoy John Cena, but I think the joke around John Cena and Dwayne Johnson is so much, you're big and handsome and muscular, not and, – and I feel like Christopher Reeve does a good job of making us believe that this guy is uncoordinated and not yeah. – not not a gym goer. Part of that's because we know that the character is putting on an act. But also I think Christopher Reeve can he he just sells it very well. He's always sold the the extra layer of of a disguise where Clark where Superman is very confident in his in his body and knows how to, you know, fight and fly and move and all this stuff and Clark is like just can't not bump into things and knock stuff over and it's like Chevy Chase level comic timing. Mm-hmm. He's so funny. Um and he tries to like do the machines and everything and just can't manage it. But then at the end, the, the guy who's training him, who's kind of smarmy, uh, Clark, as he leaves, kind of tosses him like, like a pretty heavy set of weights <laughs> and like pins the guy down. And what does he say? He has something that the guy had said. There's to him. some good little setup and payoff there. Alex, do you remember? No, I don't remember. It's like a snappy back and forth. Yeah, the guy and, says something to him. It's something then. like, you know, inhale, exhale. Tough it's enough. some like workout yeah. tip that he just got. It's, it's very, very fun. Yeah, um, I think uh, it really just goes to show that Christopher Reeve is, is a consummate professional and really cares about yes, the character. Because, yeah. like, yeah. all four movies, yes. he, he doesn't he doesn't miss a beat. No, it never the, does. Uh, 
that I was Wikipedia just continues to be my go-to source for all the tea behind the Superman <laughs> movies. <laughs> um, Unless you want actual this... tea, which you can find at Harris Teeter. <laughs> I call it Harris Teeters because I just I buy so much tea. <laughs> it's only a few aisles down from the wine where you can I will find never Alex. finish this. I don't know. It's a it's a compulsion. I need help. <laughs> um, I have tea in my veins right now. We're gonna, I'm, I'm we're gonna set up a we're gonna set up a whole Patreon just to make it Tyler's tea fund. <laughs> just gonna feed his tea addiction. But and if you want, and the newsletter that gives us updates on it, we'll say here's the tea, and then we'll yeah talk about how Tyler's It'll doing. It'll be cute. It will be cute. Um, as I die from tea poisoning. <laughs> Sucking down Darjeeling. <laughs> Marie Antoinette and her little sister. What? Toy Story. Okay. Oh, is that? Okay, okay. Yeah, the right. party. All right, yeah. All right. I'm sad I missed that. That's a good, that's a good poll, and I should have <laughs> given you more respect for it. Yeah, what a great Um. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um... What were we talking about? Christopher Reeve. Christopher Good Reeve being a just a, a oh, absolute um, gem. On the Wikipedia page, it, it has a quote from him. Where So this movie was made for like 15 million or something like that. And apparently it was just constant cost cutting every corner they could find it. And there's the, a the quote from him. The budget was cut by, by half right as they were going into production. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that already would have been lower than Supergirl or uh, Superman 4 or 3, I believe. Because those are both like 30 plus. Um, and so there's this quote where he's talking about like, yeah, that, you know, we wanted to film here and they wouldn't let us film here. They wanted the, the Kent farm, the original set was still up in North Dakota or whatever. And they wouldn't let us go to do that. They wanted to do everything in London. It, you know, like they wouldn't let us do all this stuff. It, it was just, and like, you could tell that he was really frustrated by it. And then you turn around and look at the performance he's giving this in this movie. And you're like, what? yeah, <laughs> like you would have been totally in your rights to just, do like late stage bond actor <laughs> mode and just be yeah. like, I'm just here. The people are going to be happy to see me. I don't care. It's fine. Like he is giving a great Superman performance again. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, not just impressive, but like really, I mean, commendable. Like it's, it's really sweet that he does always give it this. And, and I think it helps sell the movie so much more that he is that bought into it. And that bought into this very like, over the top sort of sincere plot line of, Oh yeah. I want to like create world peace. Um, it makes it so much better that it's this mature, you know, strong performance from, from Reeve to bring it all together. It's a very, I, I saw that he had a story credit and I think a lot mm -hmm. of times that would lead me to go, Oh, vanity project. But here, and obviously I have a lot of fondness I'm projecting onto this a little bit, but it feels more like he just cares about it and wants to be good and is getting involved from that angle. Um, I know there's a documentary that I don't think has gone wide yet uh, called Super Ma Superman, but Super Slash Man, about his life. Um, it's supposed to come out, I think, sometime this year. So obviously hmm. very excited to watch that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love him. He continues to be fantastic. He's just so good. Just so good. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, 
kind of the behind the scenes drama that led to this is a direct result of Superman three and Supergirl. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Christopher Reeve was on record as, as saying like, I, I'm, I wasn't happy with how Superman three turned out and I didn't really want to do a Superman four. So I think, I, and I don't know if it was the studio that gave him like, Oh, you, you can help come up with the story or if that was like yeah. his idea. Um, but I think that was him trying to help protect the movie and be like, no, I'm going to actually take control. Cause I didn't have that for the third movie and it didn't go well. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, he, be- between Superman three and four, both not doing well. Um, uh, they ended up selling the rights, uh, for the movies to Canon pictures, um, which is the opening logo, um, for Superman four. Uh, and they were known in the eighties for like not great B movies like the death wish sequels and um uh what's uh, electric boogaloo what's what's oh break it break into yeah like they did like all sorts of weird B movies and a lot of action schlock like Chuck Norris type movies like that kind of thing um but this was one of their attempts of like no we're gonna make like a big budget like a real movie that's gonna do big guns um and then right as they go into production, they're making Masters of the Universe at the same time. And they're like, all right, we're going to move our money over there. We think that one has more promise. I think that's the story. Which is funny because Frank Langella is uh, the bad guy in that. And he will end up playing Perry White in Superman Returns. Oh. All right. It all Cute. connects. Yeah. Best well, there you go. And um, then both yeah. of the, both movies didn't do well in canon and ended up tanking after this anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> But Masters of the Universe, indis- un- indisputably great. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good decisions made all around the board just didn't work out. Um I believe Reeve actually like was the one who was like, I want to do a, a world peace nuclear like I wanna I wanna address nuclear war or nuclear yeah arm arms race. Um and and I think that's <clears throat> why he has the story credit. I think he specifically was like, I'll yeah. do it if this is what the movie is about. Right. So. Love him, love him, love him, love him. Yeah, I really do like that whatever kind of variances there, <laughs> however uneven I might feel at any given moment with a, 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 one of the four Superman movies as a movie, if I just want to see Christopher Reeve play Superman, I can just close my eyes and pick one at random because no. he is going to be good in every single one of them. And there are great moments from each one of them. It, it, mm-hmm. it isn't like you go, oh, well, he, he's such a great Superman in two of those movies, and then he's just kind of walking through it. No, he did four great performances in four movies where you, people have different opinions about the movies, but he is always on it. Yeah, it's it's very weird because like the the uh, the plot structure critic side of my brain wants to look at like the opening couple of action sequences of this movie and be like, yeah, that's we're wasting time. Like, get a move on with the yeah. plot and whatever. Um, cause we've got the one scene where Superman rescues the cosmonauts. Um, yeah. And one yeah, of yeah. them is singing my way in Russian and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, there's a whole scene where Lois gets on a, on a train and, um, uh, the conductor ends up like having like a heart, heart attack, attack or, or like uh, he, he falls unconscious and Superman ends up stopping the train. And I'm like. I I forgot just how valuable it is of just scenes of super Christopher Reeve Superman just saving people and he's got a couple of fun quippy lines at the yeah. end. It, it just it warmed my heart. 
He says it warmed in, my cold, cold heart. He says something in Russian to the cosmonauts after he yeah. saves them. And then when he gets the guy, the conductor, and this is, again, the great thing about Superman. He checks on him, and he walks out as the paramedics. And he goes, get the paramedics. He'll be okay, but he needs some help. Yeah. Goodbye. And then he just, oh, he's, oh man. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say. The, sorry, I, I just yeah. turned away to read for a second, and then also my headphone fell out. Um, also, at the end of that, he says, like, the subway system is still oh the, like the our safest safest. way to travel yeah, yeah, yeah. in the new york somewhere. it's a very like sweet little like psa thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh. uh the the one the one scene that i i have a problem with and and maybe it's because the it's, only scene uh, yes i mean kind <laughs> of uh <laughs> basically he he reveals to lois oh hey i'm superman takes her flying around the yep. city actually yeah. across the country which Whatever this movie drops her at one point. <laughs> this this movie, <laughs> On purpose. It, it's a callback to the first movie. It's fine. Yes. Um, and it's it's like, oh, Superman's feeling really down, so he's like trying to open up to Lois because she's the only one that could potentially understand him and like give him the advice or you know help to comfort him. And then he just does the kiss at the end of it from Superman two but, to wipe her mind. And I'm like, that is okay. We argued, or we didn't argue, of course. We we discussed, like, the moral dilemma of yeah, that and yeah. whether or not he should have even done that at the end of the second movie. And it was like, eh, I, I guess I get why he did it, but at the same time, it's really weird and kind of messed up. And then in this one, it's like, oh, no, you're just, like, manipulating this poor woman. You're just playing with her, yeah. And how many times has he done this? Like, it it almost feels like he's done it before. Just any time he's feeling sad, he waits for Lois to come console him and just, like, tricks her. (laughs) My note on this is that retconning the the memory kiss and then doubling down on it is such a flex. It's just like, (laughs) (laughs) no, actually, we're doing it again. (laughs) You thought we were were fixing the... No. (laughs) We're going to make it even worse. I I will say, because it gets to the scene after Clark has been... uh, uh, poisoned, I guess, by by nuclear man's yeah, radiation uh, his, poisoned. His yeah. sharp nails. Um, he got a little <laughs> scratch on the neck. In, in a in a moment where nuclear man goes whoosh, and like sticks his nails out in sort of a Wolverine esque style. No, I was thinking Lady Deathstrike. The uh, X Men Two. Yeah, X Men yeah, yeah, yeah. Two is pulling from Superman. Possibly 4. inspired. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but like Clark is slowly aging and dying in his apartment, and Lois comes to visit him. And it seems to very softly mm-hmm. hint that she knows that he's Superman. Because he, because she ends up finding the cape. Because um, it ends up, uh, I think when he's fighting Nuclear Man at the Statue of Liberty, it ends up falling off. Um, and the Daily Planet ends up buying it for cheap and she she grabs it. Um, and she shows up and gives it to him. And it's like, you wouldn't give it to Clark. Well, then she, she has a moment. <clears throat> she has kind of a speech where... She says, oh, you know, if I saw Superman, I'd tell him we really need him right now. And I, I love yeah. him and like it. And it's 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 delivered in a way that is kind of like, does she know that he is Superman? It's kind of it, it, it's gray area, borderline, I think, intentionally ambiguous. Um, Yeah, after he did it like 10 times, the memory kiss finally stopped working. <laughs> Um, I, I do really like Margot Kidder in this. I, I still don't think she gets a whole lot to do, but obviously, like, we have a separate love interest, um, yeah. kind of uh, taking up a lot of the Clark screen time. Um, 
but Margot Kidder, I, I still like her as, as Lois oh, yeah. a lot. So. Well, I, I, I would have liked to see Lana again. Sure. Because I enjoyed her so much in the previous movie, but I still liked Mario Hemingway, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a part where Gene Hackman goes to try to sell to get a bunch of other nuclear people on his, he says nuclear all the time in this movie um, <laughs> to get them on his side. And Which one of them, the very fr- Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman Lex. Yes. That's, that's, yes correct and one of them is uh jim broadbent as a frenchman which is kind of funny mm-hmm. but also uh, otto is gone um and this one we get uh lex's <laughs> nephew lenny played by john crier who um, i'm told Otis, is a comics character i guess who would go on to play lex luthor in the arrowverse show um and also be one of the two and a half men yeah um, wait wait no 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 just on that you said you said otto did you mean otis Otis. Okay. Otis. No, because no, I was I just like, Dr. Octopus was in this? Yeah, Octopus is in it. Um, Yeah, I I, I kind of enjoyed John Cryer. I haven't seen John Cryer mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff. He's always struck me as a nice man. So I, I just kind of like John Cryer anyway. But in this, it was just kind of funny because like, he's playing like a redneck California dude. Like simultaneously, mm-hmm. he'll be like, whoa, and I don't get it. Like... <laughs> within the same it's he has like fun hair and a kooky car yeah. like i'm into it i i i did think it was funny just because uh, this movie like i said this is a saturday morning cartoon um the scene where he ends up rescuing lex from uh the the chain gang i guess yes. yeah um he ends up tricking these cops or the security guards into getting or um, into his his car, and then it's like a remote control thing, and he sends it off a cliff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we're killing them. Okay, yeah, that's died. actually a very Gene Hackman Lex Luthor thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then of course you get the 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 uh, following shot of them like crawling out, and they're just like bewildered as to what's going yeah. on. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this movie's PG. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> also at the end, the- before Le- uh, Superman drops. Likes back back off directly at the chain gang. No need for processing or anything. Um, yeah. He takes Lenny to like, what, like a boys' town, like a Catholic. Uh, I don't know if specifically Catholic, but it seems like a, a religious uh, institution where boys go to get less stupider. I guess <laughs> um, it's it's very funny. That's, but that's when he how drops it's described him off, in the paperwork, it's less stupid. Yeah, when they <laughs> we're no Jupiter, get less stupider. Um, he he drops them off and the father the, the 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 father's like well anyone who you know wants to reform can be good and lenny's like do you really think i can <laughs> like, like, it was great there was the part of me that loves 50s and 40s movies is like good <laughs> keep in it up the, at the very beginning uh with with the astronauts and the one guy who's singing the the frank sinatra mm-hmm. uh he gets hit by a satellite and that's what like starts the crisis. Superman at the top. And I, in my notes, I just wrote, "I'm sorry, Superman. That man is dead. <laughs> You're yeah. too late." Because it, it's like an intense. It's like a. I don't know if it's a miniature or what, but it's uh-huh. like an intense. Like Listen, satellite goes hurtling into this astronaut floating, and then he just floats away, and he's fine. I have proselytized for all mankind multiple times on this show and in our our, our friendship off mic. That show knows how to make space and its machinery terrifying. <laughs> Because people die. Mm-hmm. And Look, so, yeah, I saw that. I was like, that dude's dead. And Molly Cobb is not here to save him. I, I, I don't know. I, I watched Gravity. 
Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock survived a lot, a lot of similar well, situations. Well, she's Sandra Bullock, Alex. Doesn't, doesn't, who, is it George Clooney? It wasn't in her, yeah. Doesn't he die specifically from something like that? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> she, it like wasn't in her blind side, so she was okay. Right, right. I just remember him like being a voice in her head for the rest yeah. of the movie, and that yeah. really bothered me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you were you were you were sad that George Clooney isn't a voice in your head telling you what to do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney from Oh Brother Art Thou, tell me when I'm in a tight spot. <laughs> I never know. <laughs> George Clooney from the end of the Flash, tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I just like the idea of Alex, like, something gets really stressful at work, and you, and you just focus on his face, and you hear from a brother Arthur, damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> and he's like, you're right, we are. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the nuclear man? The nuclear man? Oh, man. He looks like He-Man. He's got, like, feathered, yes. like, Ric Flair um, kind of hair. His costume is apparently a callback to, like, the old tv serial okay. of superman when there was an adam man um who was like made for i think made originally maybe for the radio show or something like mm. that but um i so there's a whole thing here where the uh the, i think there's a deleted scene where lex actually has a first prototype of this yes. and the the prototype is actually just straight up bizarro in in all but name um from the Superman comics, the villain Bizarro. Uh, and I I really wanted that to be what this was doing, but I actually kind of like the fact that it, it ties in thematically and it is like, yeah, oh, it's a nuclear man. Yeah. I got, isn't it about nuclear warfare? Fair enough. All right. I see what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> but he kind of, th- this version kind of still acts like Bizarro. And I think at one point, John Cryer calls him Frico. which is very similar um but he's he's kind of uh sort of in a drax way played up as being stupid and like not understanding things or like uh, not not getting the way that things should be like i don't know it 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 gave enough for me to be like yeah okay this is kind of bizarre-esque um because i would love an actual cinematic bizarro yeah and I hope we get there one day. Uh, he can be played by John Cena. That's I was literally thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was fun. Yeah, he I liked it. Blows stuff up a lot, and has shiny fingernails. Um, and at one point, Superman puts him in an elevator and then drags him out of the elevator in kind of a cool shot. It's like yeah. one of the few practical effects they do. Uh, they go to the moon. Superman takes Superman has a villain who's destroying the city and he takes him to the moon. He says, Hey, stop destroying the city. Uh, like I said, Saturday morning cartoon. Cause, and of course there's a whole thing where, where like a uh, nuclear man, uh, nuclear man picks up the statue of Liberty and like tries to, to just like destroy Metropolis with it. And Superman mm-hmm. just like picks it up. It's like, Ooh, put it back. <laughs> No problem. No, no, no. Um, Nuclear man throwing the Statue of Liberty at Metropolis is, I guess, is it Metropolis or is it New York if it's the Statue of Liberty? Is it supposed to be Metropolis still? I think it's supposed to Do be Metropolis. Do we see any Metropolis I mean, Met- landmarks? I'm pretty sure Metropolis is just New York. I guess in these movies it is. Yeah. I don't know if 
the DC comics universe has a whole thing where cities are like double, like the world is just bigger. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. There's extra cities. So I don't know. Um, uh, but yes, I, he the... throws the Statue of Liberty at Metropolis and it's incredible. It's, <laughs> it's such a good, th- th- that f- the final fight between them, or I guess it's not the final fight actually. Cause I guess that's, that's the one where he gets scratched trying to put the Statue of Liberty back. <laughs> that's, that's what happened to him. But, um, the fights between them continue to escalate in the most insane, beautiful ways because they do not have the effects to pull it off. It's so good. Um, <laughs> it just keeps going. Superman does move the moon. <laughs> he creates an eclipse. <laughs> which... I, I, don't, I don't even want to think about the implications of, of adjusting the moon's orbit around the Earth. Just legendary. <laughs> <laughs> My one of my favorite uh, super super stories involving the moon is in a very early episode of the Tick animated show. The villain Chairface Chippendale, who is just a mm. guy with a chair for a head, um, <laughs> tries to write his name on the moon with a big laser, and the Tick stops him. So he just wrote Cha. And so for the rest of the show, if there's a night shot, you'll just see the word Cha written on the moon, <laughs> and it's so good. And this is up there. Yeah. Same same kind of clever yeah. approach. <laughs> Superman also plugs a volcano. He, yeah, takes he, a, does. he takes the top of a mountain and plugs a volcano. It's and so it's good. like in Italy, he has to save these people who are all like praying in Italy. In, in and, and they're standing like in this little um, <laughs> Corner, like uh, alleyway. And they're just, and the, the lava is, and, and they're avoiding it like it's uh, like rainwater. Yeah. You know, they're just like, the oh, if we stay lava. over here, the lava can't get us. It's not emanating any heat. <laughs> we'll just, and they look at them like, Oh, Superman, ayutami, ayutami. And then he gets some and it's fine. And he does say arrivederci yes. when he leaves, which is. Yes, he does. Ah, I love I, it. I liked more of the effects than I didn't. There's a there... whole scene where they just blow up the Great Wall of China. <laughs> and like, it's clearly like models, but it looks really neat. But then yeah, that actually doesn't look bad. We we're just pulling in all sorts of Superman two nonsense as well with the powers because Superman just like uses his mind to put the Great Wall of Superman China back together. Superman has the power to rebuild the Great Wall of China specifically. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, nuclear man, nuclear man. I'm gonna keep saying it that way. Um, like he's got the the uh, telekinetic powers that the Kryptonians had in Superman two. So it's just mm-hmm. like you know we're we're bringing it all back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That scene actually, there's a. I think there's one really good shot of him flying. Like the wire work is really good yeah. on the at the Great Wall of China. Um, there's a lot of just we're sticking it. We're sticking Superman on a green screen in front of yeah something. Him we flying down do, the does not tunnel, matter yeah. if the size works. Does not matter if anything comes together. Like it, they use the same shot awful. of him flying at camera yeah. like twenty times. <laughs> it's the same exact shot. It's yeah. very good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I will. I will say the the, the scenes. Uh, I think the biggest one for me is the the Superman Lois scene, like when they're flying around. That for me is probably the worst of the effects in the movie. It is, it's, it's just it's rough. It yeah. is so blatant, and and it's just such an easy thing to do a one to one comparison with what they did in the mm-hmm. first movie. And it's like, oh, there's a reason they they made that a night scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's fine. Um, and then Nuclear Man, Nuclear Man. Uh, takes Lacey into space. Yeah. And that's when Superman makes the eclipse happen. 
<laughs> you know, for some movies, you really don't need any rules. Look, ladies, why are you settling for men who will not make an eclipse for you? <laughs> Just tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did we feel about about the like the 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 kickoff of the story being a a, a little boy going? You know, Superman oh, needs yeah. to put a stop to this nuclear weapons business. There, there's that not like really some sort funny. of grand like <laughs> nuclear scare that happens right. at the beginning of the movie that Superman like barely stops. And that's what really gets the story going. No, it's just they hear like some nuclear talks fell through that we're not really sure what the implications are. And then this kid's like staring out the window and mm-hmm. the teacher's like maybe we should all write to our local congressman and everyone's yeah. like that'll do us some good and then he's like you know who i'd write to <laughs> i'd write to superman he's the uh he's miles teller and and um fan four stick <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna say that kid's name Zack snyder um <laughs> i don't think Zack snyder would ask superman for anything i don't know you that's know what would be that's, really cool if Superman punched the nuclear missiles in the face. That's that's innocent Zack Snyder before he's learned that Superman isn't real. That's, sure, sure, sure. That's fair. <laughs> sort of the, the deflection there. I knew about um, the Easter Bunny, but this? Rebel Moon was just a glint in his eye. <laughs> yes, yes. We are too mean to Zack Snyder. He probably likes Superman 4. Um, <laughs> he seems like a lovely man. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> The, uh, I, I, I think the thing that I do like about the, the kickoff is that it does actually tie into the Daily Planet stuff because the Daily Planet takeover means they're publishing more sort of scandalous, uh, rage baiting yeah. headlines. And so they, they publish something that's like Superman tells kid to drop dead because he doesn't <laughs> yeah. show up. Like he doesn't, he yeah. doesn't answer him. Um, <laughs> Which is so, just such an escalation. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, I can't. It's like, Superman, will you come speak to my class? Drop dead. Look, go somewhere and this, die. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Um... Oh crap! My 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 brain is frying. We've been talking too long about Superman four. Uh, it doesn't have to be J.K. Simmons as uh, J. J. Daily Beagleman. J. J. Jonah. J. Too many J's. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be him specifically playing it but how much better of this is it if it just gets taken over by not j jonah jameson and it's just yeah. somebody coming from the same performance as sam raimi spider-man just coming to me like superman drops dead i've got it <laughs> um i i like the fact that that ties together and that it's like normally this probably would have just not gotten noticed or just getting tossed aside and maybe superman would have been like huh I, you know that's a that's a good point i should think about this but because they escalate it then it's like oh no his reputation's there and he's thinking yeah. about it and it's all in his mind and like they do actually don't tie these together it's not just two totally unrelated plot points um it's interesting and a little over the top but uh it is really sweet when he goes to meet the kid and he's like yeah. hey take a walk with me and yeah walk to, to the un and all that it's good I like how much Superman doesn't show off his powers when he goes places. Mm-hmm. That he goes to the UN and walks in and sit and stands at the thing to give a speech. He's not like flying in and using his frost breath or whatever. Right. Like he's just chilling. Like I love that. I feel like 
overall the writing of this movie is not nearly as bad as it could be i think the the plot like the this the story and the actual plot and the plot points are <laughs> it's very let's get something down on paper but the yeah. dialogue is generally fairly sharp there's a yeah like marilyn Hemingway has a good line the actors lois, yeah yeah lois is, say, is saying something like well i don't know if clark is really gonna go for a woman like you and she goes all all men like me i'm very rich (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty funny i i I, i'm not sure how i feel about the double date scene yeah it's it's cute but also why would clark have gotten himself into that situation yeah he it's just like oh uh lacy is just like all right i'll see you there and there's not like a phone call or like they work in the same building (laughs) like yeah I don't know. They, that, that they also don't really to commit to it. They kind of do. It's kind of two scenes and then nuclear man attacks. Yeah. And they go off to fight nuclear man. So I don't know. And then there's never really a follow up on Clark and Lacey's relationship. If there is one. Right. Yeah. That kind of gets dropped. Her Lacey's turn also to being a good hearted newspaper publisher is very, very quick. <laughs> yeah. But also I didn't get the sense as much that she was. That she like ever fully believed it so much as she was just like, this is what happens in my life. This is what we do. There's a lot of stuff that just happens really, really fast. I mean, like the whole thing with Superman recovering from the the scratches that happens in like a scene. And I, it turns out there's another green crystal that's (laughs) in the pod that he landed in. I was very confused at the beginning because I thought that was a turning into like a flashback to the crystal he got to make the fortress of solitude yeah but then there's like another voice from the rocket that says oh there's another thing that you can use and it's like no now now this is the last of your kryptonian heritage once you use this up like i don't know that that all seemed a little weird to me yeah and it's still green so it's still confusing that it's not kryptonite yeah just make it blue or just literally any other color chartreuse yeah nice chartreuse um i did want to mention the the creative team behind this i don't know about the writers so much um although apparently it 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 was written by lawrence connor and mark rosenthal who've written a lot of movies that don't seem to be very good but uh they have apparently written for the sopranos oh wow uh and i don't know other random things um i don't know They've done all sorts of random stuff, but the uh, Sydney J. Fury, the director, um, actually had done a lot of like, I don't know what you call it, award winning like indie, not it, it wouldn't be it was like in the sixties. Um, Britain, I don't know if he did more research on this, but or or know any of the movies. Apparently, he did the Ipcrest file with Michael Caine. That's supposed to be that's like a real movie, to my understanding. Yeah, and so he like won a BAFTA award and was nominated for a palm d'or for that. And so like he'd done some real stuff before. And I think you can tell, I think that's, what's most interesting to me about this is that for whatever reason, the talent was not quite as, uh, sort of just phoning it in. Yeah. As previous ones or just overwhelmed. I mean, right. I think in the case of Superman three, they probably just totally lost the scope and track of the production. Um, but like, you can tell that there's moments where people know how to make a movie on this. Um, I really like, 
the set for Lex in his penthouse apartment. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they kind of have recreated the vibes of his underground lair from the first one in a penthouse. Uh, and, and it's like actually well put together and, and kind of trying to harken back to that same style. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this where you're like, this probably could have been better if they didn't give it the least money possible and yeah. <laughs> you know, cut production short and like try and force them to make it like it was uh, something to get off the conveyor belt and move on. Um, which is a shame. But overall, I think it's it's a pretty fun watch. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think I, I, I somehow ended up getting out of this what I wanted from uh, Supergirl, I think. Yeah. Just uh, Britain, the way you had kind of framed it in, in your kind of perspective on, on Supergirl before we went into that, where I'm like, yeah, this is dumb, but there's actually like some stuff that I genuinely like about it. And sure. it's quite a bit of fun. Yeah. And it's 90 minutes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think this is my favorite of the, the last three. For sure. I don't know if it's the best. That's sure. a different story, but I I mean I feel like overall in terms of enjoying the, the watch, like <laughs> this, this is, which again, we're now three for three on movies that we thought were gonna be terrible and just like a total awful mess to get through, but have actually been kind of interesting and entertaining. It makes me think that uh the only movie that's gonna end up feeling that way is the one that I predicted all along. We'll get there. Um <laughs> trying to see if I have anything else in my notes uh that I want to cover. I don't know if, if y'all had other thoughts. I um, really I, like these movies. Yeah. I yeah. just really like them a lot. Uh the opening titles they they try and do like the original um yeah like we're in space and we've got the the letters Mm -hmm. kind of floating um or flying through space and it it doesn't look as good obviously they made it on cheap but it's it's, very powerpoint word art yeah sort of but i i did appreciate like they continued to use the superman theme and like they're Mm -hmm. pulling in a lot of music from the john williams stuff so i'm like okay yep there and there, it felt like they were using it at the right moments with Superman. Like whenever he's saving people, it's like, yay, hooray, Superman, yeah. Um, I, and also the the movie ending on, and we're, we continue to. I'm so glad they continued to use this through all of them. The the final shots that Richard Donner had done of Superman flying into space, and he kind of drifts into camera and then winks and, yeah. and goes out of frame. Like, yes. You you did you did that correctly. Yeah. If Superman <laughs> weighs a back again, Jim Bryce's I didn't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if Superman Legacy is, uh, is good and ends on that, that's gonna be, that's gonna be a good moment. But um, if it's not good and it ends like that, you'll go like Superman Returns. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> Superman <Sparks>. Legacy. <laughs> I thought he died in Superman Returns. Are you are you telling me he ends not dead? Um, it's a big Superman Legacy. So sad. I have decided uh, just in the course of watching these, I really want Superman Legacy to do a thing I've thought about before, which is because James Gunn, he's the playlist man, and he does the he does all the 
Yeah. All the like sort of hand selected niche music in order to pull everything together and make a, a, a track for the movies that works in a way that a lot of other movies that try and do stuff like that doesn't. He could make a whole thing out of Superman songs. There are so many songs that reference Superman. That's true. Be, be holding. I might. I might. This is our four hundredth episode, so I should have prepped bits for this. But maybe I'll maybe I'll prep this. You know, before for one of the next two episodes before we wrap up, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll bring my like wish list of songs that James Gunn should include, and we'll see how we feel like they would play out uh, <laughs> in a Superman movie. Using, would some of them work? No, but it would be fun. Using a five for fighting in a 2025 Superman movie mm-hmm. would make me so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, th- like, well, I don't know what Superman images go with the REM song Superman, but mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. they exist. That's a good, that's like a montage song that you do yeah, exactly. while he is, you know, Cor- like trying to court Lois and. Yeah. Yeah, Lois likes Yeah, that's else. the right vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a strange things are happening here kind of thing. Like that's, yeah, that's the, that's the vibe there it is. For. Okay, okay. Yes. And then is that is the I'm no Superman can be when he's like talking to himself <laughs> at work with his funny friends. I'm also unclear on. I guess that's a full song. I I guess so. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to give it a listen. Alex, I'll, if I'll any one of us has watched Scrubs, it's you. Is that a full song? I have not watched. Scrubs. I mean, I have watched Scrubs. Oh, I okay. just don't know if it's a full. Yeah. It'd be funny There's if probably... they were like, we need a theme song. And a guy went, I'm no Superman. That's it. <laughs> there's, there's probably, uh, there's probably one of those, one of those episodes where they play the full song. Cause that's what, you know, like the classic, sure. it's like the Breaking yeah. Bad or the, um, I feel like maybe like how I met your mother who did this at some point. Right. I don't know. Or where you like, you, you, you suddenly play the full song. You're like, Oh my gosh, it's happening. Oh, uh, in, uh, in the show they're doing. The yeah. Full community song. probably. Yeah, yeah, did yeah, that. yeah. yeah psychic, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't know out. they could do that. <laughs> How do they? How do they do that? <laughs> I don't know what a great Superman for. What did I give Superman three? You gave Superman three. And also, what did I give? Superman I'm, just, I'm making. I'm making sure I got this right. All right. You we, gave Superman, our memories do not last past a week. Uh, uh, Britain, you gave Superman three a C plus. B minus for Superman four. Oh snap! Hmm. Let's go for it. Feeling it. It's a little. You bit liked better. it as much as Supergirl. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Come at me. Fight me on the podcast. <laughs> Tyler, I'll see. I'll see you in the Harris Teeter parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Harris Teeter does not endorse fighting on their parking lot. <laughs> Harris Teeter is a family establishment. We we prize safety and have <laughs> state of the art security to ensure a pleasant shopping experience. Um, Alex, <laughs> what did I give Superman three? You gave Superman three a C minus. Okay. It's tough. I think I'm gonna go C. I'm going flat C. I think I'm going. I re- I came into this discussion thinking like. I'm ready to get you know I'm give it the F plus stamp of approval. But the more we talk about, the more I think it really the effects are bad. Like I, I think yeah. we're probably gliding over that a bit. Um, and that's definitely the biggest thing holding it back. Just like you can tell that corners were cut in a lot of places. Obviously, the plot is yeah. shaky. But like when you comp- when you watch this, like I don't know, 
it, just compared to a lot of modern superhero movies, like it is such a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it is one of those weird things where I, I you know, I, I talked about this a little bit before where it's like, you know, Superman 3 is a mess, but it's an expensive mess. And then this one's a mess, mm-hmm. but it's a cheap mess. And I'm like, if, if my ideal world is take all the budget from Superman 3 and just put it on this yes. movie. And yeah. I want to see what that looks like. Um, but I think kind of going into it, knowing that it is super low budget and like the effects do not mm-hmm. hold up. It's like it's a certain charm to that. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there, it's got kind of that B-movie charm in its way. And it's, you know, it kind of works because everyone's playing it earnestly. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, I think I was going into this discussion at a D plus, but I'm going to I'm going to give it a C minus. There you go. I uh, I had a good time with it. C minus doesn't doesn't sound super positive, but for for. No, yeah. Given given the last few films we've done, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> for me. And the next film will do. Um, hey, hey, hey you don't so know. Excited. I could, I could give that so an A plus. Nothing's impossible, Britain. That's true. I'm very excited. <laughs> I've been asking for this movie, but now I'm going to ask for recommendations. Who's got one for our four hundredth spectacular? I've got one. Uh, I watched Get Out. Okay. All right. I can get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little weird kind of going backwards because the only other Jordan Peele movie I'd seen was Us. Mm. And that one is... It, it, the scale is so much bigger and, yes. and in my opinion it just goes so much more bonkers it was it was mm-hmm. weird t- kind of going back and it's like oh this is kind of a bottle movie it almost takes place at like one location and like the story is like is very streamlined and efficient in its way um but it's you know everyone knows it's really good um it's creepy when it needs to be it's funny when it needs to be i think jordan peele is just he's really good with handling tone um and all the performances are awesome. Yeah, I, yep. I I can't I can't heap any more praise on Get Out that hasn't already been heaped on by everyone else. Sure. I it's just a really really done a well done um, horror thriller and yeah, it's great. Especially for a directorial debut, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Um, I think overall, I probably still prefer Us. I think, but they're mm-hmm. very kind of neck and neck for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. I get that. I get that. I'd agree. I think Us is probably my, my favorite of his. I really need to watch Nope. Yeah, same. same. There's three of his movies. Yep. Britain, what is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is another movie about the horrors of nuclear war. I watched uh, a movie from 1959 called Hiroshima Mon Amour, a movie by Alain René. Um, and it is a movie uh, about an affair between a French actress and a Japanese architect. Uh, in Hiroshima, I believe 14 years after the bomb was dropped. Mm. And it's, depending on how you look at it, it's either a few conversations or one long conversation um, during this affair that they have about their experiences during the bombing, during the war. Um, It's about the after effects of the war, the trauma from it, the, and and just the sort of um, fractured 
effect of memory. Um, and uh, Emmanuel Riva and Eiji Okada play the the uh, her and him or elle and lui, as I believe they are credited. Um, Emmanuel Riva is wonderful in it. Um, she actually the movie ends up tending a little more towards her side than I initially wanted because I'm like, well, it's about Hiroshima and he's Japanese, so maybe what 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 does he think? <laughs> but her backstory is is very key to the movie and um she's really really good in it um it's beautifully filmed like there's some gorgeous camera work i was lucky enough to rent a a, i think a blu-ray of the criterion edition and it's beautifully restored like it looks gorgeous um they do such a good job in criterion of like restoring the movie without compromising the quality of that picture of whatever that era is it never feels like Mm -hmm. you made this movie from 1959 looks like it's from today no, it still looks like it's from 1959. It's just really pretty. <laughs> like they just really restore it. It, it. It's gorgeous to look at. There's some shots early on that are just stunning. Um, the caveat I will give is that during the opening, which is kind of a montage, they do show footage. I don't know if it's fictional or real of uh, Japanese citizens who were affected by the radiation. Um, and I, I'm not trying to scare anybody off. It is very impactful. Um, far be it for me to tell anybody what will or won't upset them. And I wasn't upset. It, it did not make it difficult to finish the rest of the movie, but I wasn't anticipating that um, early on. So there's that as a heads up. But really, that I don't think that should stop anybody from from watching the, the picture. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, see, seek it out if you can. Uh, I just found it to be a really interesting movie. And I, I know I said this last week, but this one, especially after Oppenheimer, I'm, I'm really liking... I, I think it we all kind of hit a point where we're like, man, why is every movie about World War II? Why are we getting all these World War II movies? But every now and again, you'll get one that covers a part of that part of history that hasn't really been discussed that way. Like Oppenheimer covered that section and that that person and that side or that angle on that part of that story. Because, I mean, and you realize as you get older that World War II, if you just looked at the Holocaust and the military part, you would have... I mean, apparently an endless well mm. of stories to tell. That's before you get into the after effects. That's before you yep. get into the home front. That's before you get into just what the families were dealing with. Like it's it's it really did affect every corner of, of reality. And as an adult and I have so much more appreciation for stories about that time in history. Um and Hiroshima Monomore does a does kind of the thing that Oppenheimer does of going, this is a massive event. Let's talk about these two people and what these two people experienced. And and through that, get a better sort of exploration of this larger thing. Um, it's really great. And it's called Hiroshima Monomore. Nice. Tyler? I have nothing to follow that up with. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Hiroshima Monomore 2. <laughs> I've been reading The Return of Superman. It is less emotionally... Uh, <laughs> gripping than that movie sounds. <laughs> Who wrote that? It's it's still the same group. It's the it's all the the death and return of Superman. Oh. And I've been reading through that, um, which has also, I mean it's got it's a lot of good writers, and I think the quality is, yeah. is pretty stand, pretty consistent and high across the board. It's yeah, Roger R. Stern R. Stein. and, and or R. L. Stein, um, Louis Simonson, um, good 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 group and good good art as well uh i think that re- i imagine that probably it's one of those things that worked a lot better as the comics were coming out of the time where superman was actually gone for like a year or half a year or however long it was and then yeah you get like the triumphant return you're like oh my gosh he's back but reading it in the the trades is a little bit more like okay 
Sure. Cool. Like, <laughs> I, that, was, that was two two books ago, and he was <laughs> killed by, by Doomsday, and now he's back. Yeah. Um, I think the, the funeral for friend stuff is probably the strongest stuff out of the event. Um, but I've been reading some comics. The new Fantastic Four run by Ryan North has been really good. I've been reading that on Marvel Unlimited. Um, and I've been looking for great deals at Harris Teeters. I've been trying to. <laughs> oh, they're not hard to find, Tyler. I just, Everywhere you I look. Just Everywhere sort of have to, you look. Uh, close my eyes and spin around and yeah. point my finger. There it is. Baked There's beans. Mm-hmm. And my favorite brand? Come on home, I say to the baked beans. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Tyler's Shoes. shopping. <laughs> Shoes? Whenever Tyler goes shopping, whenever he selects his can or or beat of choice, he always goes, come home with me. <laughs> I'm going to take you somewhere warm. Come on. But for uh, for chicken, I say, get in there. Get in there. And and for when I get a big old rack of beef, Worthless. I say, I say you're Meat. okay, girl. And then I <laughs> get in there. And then we all go by the wine section and say, come on, Alex, it's time to go home. <laughs> And I refuse to leave. And he says, <laughs> he says, don't look at me. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny when I'm good and ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex is hanging out with fruit snacks. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to paint him with a, with a, a mean brush. Anyway, guys, uh, listeners, thank you for sticking with us for 400 episodes. Um, this has been really fun. We all love doing this show. Uh, I, I have described it to other people as something we're not trying to get famous off of this. We just like talking to each other and we like having a creative outlet. And I like having a little audio scrapbook of these two friendships that mean so very, very much to me. And it means so much to me that y'all listen to it. Um, even if it's just three of you, it means a lot to me. The three of you listen to it because I really, really love this show and it's a lot of fun. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah. If you'd like to tell us what 400 episodes means to you <laughs> and, or what the great deals you found on Aristides this week, were, <laughs> you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify and podcast i think i've i've taken out both britain and myself with that um it really was the 400th blow oh what (laughs) alex i really thought i really thought you were going to recommend the four i thought there was like a pause and the way you you set up the delivery of your recommendation i really thought it was going to be 400 if we all suddenly had a french new wave movie to I think I think early on I was like, oh wait, that's a thing I can reference, and then I was just biting my time. <laughs> it was good. It was good. That was very good. Very good. Um, you can find us online at com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, reach out, give us a like. We we really like. We will we will listen if anybody if you reach out and say I want you to do this franchise within reason. It will be the the first not not actually the first time. I think we've listened to one other. Uh, person at some point in time but we don't get a lot of we got, don't get a lot of suggestions for it so if you want to control the fate of this podcast like superman controlled the fate <laughs> of the world and superman for the quest for peace you can you can tell us tell us what you want us to what you want us to review and and we'll at least consider it i, I, I want to see an email that just i want to see an email that just says spiral cut ham <laughs>
Chad. I, I want an email thread going on with somebody that, that takes 20 episodes to resolve because every time it's like, oh, was that, did you get a deal on it? It's like, yes. How, how much? 20. <laughs> was that, was that less? Was that more? <laughs> how, what's the going rate for Spiral Cut Ham? Right. How did you really, right. how good of a deal is this really? You know, we're sort of out of the holiday season. Does that, does yeah. that affect things? Like, I also we're... never understood what that means. Because they people... seem like a block. And do people buy Valentine's ham? Is that common? That's a good point. I don't know if it's chocolate is the only Valentine's food. Do ham sales go up around Valentine's? That would be an interesting ratio to study. Uh, someone get Hannah Fry on this at the BBC. <laughs> How do ham sales? Well, it sounds like they'd be better at potatoes, but that's fair. Uh... Um, how do they? <laughs> <laughs> Beans on toast, etc. Um, the plot: How many ham sales there are with each U.S. holiday? Weirdly, Arbor Day they skyrocket. <laughs> Bizarre. It's, it's the counterculture. It's people. We just there. had President's no. Day, and I don't know what the ham situation was at the grocery store. That's true. Sure, I don't know. Do people do President's Day? Thing. I mean, the the thing is, I feel like there's a weird conflation because some of these holidays people get off, and so they're like, "Well, I'm gonna right. go do something nice for the holiday because they got the holiday. Yeah. I got the day off. Let's all go, you know do dinner or whatever. Let's get together." Yeah. And is like, is that really? Is that does that is the holiday really what's causing that, or is it just a ham spike for the sake of being, <laughs> you know, just like a little, a, you know, some extra time to buy ham and eat ham. <laughs> ham spike is uh, my favorite Ninja Turtles villain, by the way. Um, <laughs> But I do, I do like the idea of you know, Memorial Day in America. We all, everybody gets the day off, and we all go to the pool and eat all the barbecue. Mm-hmm. But President's Day, it is kind of a no matter where you go, you're like, let's see if they're open. Yeah, is this a grocery day or a Taco Bell day? What do we? What's let's just roll the dice here. Um, I had President's Day off, and I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'll tell you, I got President Coffee. That was my president. Oh boy! <laughs> Just one second. I'm looking oh. up Harris Teeter holidays. <laughs> their website. When I search Harris Teeter holidays into Google, their website, the the sort of Google scraping uh, for the 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 return and the search says. Find holiday at a store near you. Twenty dollars to ninety-six dollars. You can you can buy a holiday at Harris Teeter. Well, hey, listen, that sounds about right to me. But I I I don't know how that works. How that transact? This is some Douglas Adams crap. Like, how am I supposed to go? How are you going to bureaucratize buying? Like, how do I, Alex? How do I go buy a holiday from a Harris Teeter? Which holiday would you buy? Oh, oh wait, no, no. This, this is a good question. Is this like? you get to buy one of the pre-existing holidays or that you get to say, this day is now my day. It's my holiday. Right. Which, which do we think it is? Because if we're buying a pre-existing holiday. Is this just a really poor attempt to try and reach the runtime of Superman for the question? No, it's, it's a really great attempt to have friends. <laughs> I did realize, I did realize I do have a recommendation actually. And oh, I, great. I meant to talk about this and I forgot about it. I will actually talk about this because I do want to recommend this. Um, <laughs> cool. Defunct Land mm. put out a uh, a new video. Defunct Land, a 
channel I recommend for genuinely the best channel on YouTube. Like it is actual like documentary, like would would pay for some sort of subscription. Probably have a Patreon somewhere. I should be subscribed to that. Um, they uh, put out a video on the American Idol experience at Disney World, um, which kind of just ends up being a history of the of American Idol. Um, it's a very good, very funny. Like it, they've been doing a lot of um, sort of like se- series things. Like there was a long time where every video was talking about something Walt Disney was involved in, and like he's done like. Uh, Michael Eisner, a bunch of stuff on him in a row. Uh, this is just like a total one-off. Very easy to just pick up and just be like, what is this about? It's it's very funny, very comprehensive. Um, all the, Every one of those videos, the, the channel is just about like the experience of understanding how people felt about theme park rides when they existed and what happened to them. Um, and this one, like, it also captures the era of American Idol and kind of illustrates the fact that American Idol is the root of all our problems. Um, <laughs> and it, it I've been saying that it. for years. I mean, it, it is. It, it's a good video. It's a good video. Go check it out. He's it's not like the best video in terms of like I've recommended other stuff he's done before that has been like really, really mind blowing. Um, this is kind of back to the standard formula for the channel, but. It's very good. Go check it out. It's just a fun time. Um, like I, would, long. I would buy Arbor Day so that I could mm-hmm. give it to Alex under the new name Ann Arbor Day because I know he loves that joke. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> joke, that joke's like six years old. That's great. 400 episodes old, baby. I was going to say I'm going to buy uh, Arbor Day and name it Ham Day. I know it's also like what holiday can I buy that I'm not going to be like it's not offensive. I mean, I President's Day, I think. You know, yes, I can, can take that. Kind of, I can take can that. Play around with that. Yeah, I'm going to buy President's Day and make it Taft Day. It's just for Taft. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else. Yay! A day for me. <laughs> Alex, what holiday would you? Can buy? I? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can I buy President's Day and split it? Into into separate hours, <laughs> make, <laughs> make it a stretch, or, or I guess it'd have to be less than that. You know, like yeah. half an hour. The, every every day for fifty days or whatever it is, have a half hour president hour, president half an hour. I see, I see. For a consecutive, yeah. You know, like a stretch from I don't know whenever February through uh, April or whatever. Yeah. Just, Oh, it's Gerald Ford 30. We all have to talk about <laughs> Gerald Ford for half an hour and his great... Wouldn't that be more impactful it than just calling would, it yeah. President's Day and, you know, making you go get do your deals in the, the furniture yeah, stores yeah. or whatever? It's like, no. You have to think about this president for 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and there's going to be a national alert sent yeah. to your phone to be like, hey guys, start thinking about <laughs> William Howard Harrison or whatever his name is. Henry, yeah, William Henry Harrison, yeah. <laughs> the, I was thinking of Taft again. Yeah, we're in the middle of this podcast. We're like, well, I think the really an interesting thing about Kevin. Oh, it's Martin Van Buren, and then we have to talk about Martin Van Buren for a while. Is it Van Buren? Is Van Buren actually a president? Uh, are, are, am I Ben Franklining right now? Let's see. Or is he? Is he? Was he like a vice president? Who oh, maybe? Man. Maybe you're right. He may have followed eighth, up. Eighth uh, president. There we go. All right. Eighth U.S. President. All right. Bang. You know better than me. Nice. This is why we need our our president. This is absolutely. 15 minutes. Why we need it. Uh, we need 
Chester A. Arthur, this one's for you, babe. <laughs> March 27th. Let's go. <laughs> what has Calvin Coolidge done for you? Yeah. And what can you do for him? Yeah. You can think about him for 30 minutes in this math class. It's the least that you can do. That would be great if you're you're going going to math class, having to learn about stupid old algebra, and then for thirty minutes he's just like, now now we got to talk about Calvin Coolidge. Uh, I wish I knew more stuff so I could talk about it. Um, <laughs> James Garfield was assassinated by Charles Guiteau. I know that. There you uh, go. Alex, what holiday you're would think you about buy? Thirty minutes. <laughs> I don't know if this technically counts as a holiday. I would buy tax day so I could cancel it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. It's a season, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that necess- I think I think the date would just automatically move up. I think it would just be like, well, we can't have that be tax day. I would so buy April date. Fool's Day, but all the pranks have to be that you're nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I steal? Can I steal an answer? That's what I want now. <laughs> It's April Fool's Day. Everybody give me presents. <laughs> I would buy April Fool's Day and tax day and switch them. And then everyone would be, would be confused and the IRS would be mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, more fool you, IRS. <laughs> <laughs> the fool today, IRS, is thee. For more holiday humor and great deals talk about <laughs> Harris Teeter's great deal. Um, you can you can tune in next week when we're going to talk about steel. I've been Tyler. <laughs> I've been Alex. <laughs> uh, I have been Britain. I thank you all. I love you all. You're having a great night. Yep. You are having a super night. Thank you, Christopher Reeve. <laughs>